Chesterfield County Jail. Love you guys. Glad you're with us today. Glad you're with us today. Hey, high five somebody and you can be seated. Tell me you look good today. Come on, tell me you look good today. And uh, well, good morning. And uh, we are in a series called By Your Spirit. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But want to look in the back of the room at the camera and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. So excited about what God's doing there. Can't wait to celebrate baptisms right in the back of the room there at the end of uh, 930 today and 1115. What a great day. And uh, like you heard, we got growth track today. That's a chance for us to connect with you. And um, just as we're getting ready to dive into the message, I want to give you a quick update and thank you because I know we're in the lobby here and everything. And that is, um, man, you're an incredibly generous church. And uh, because of that, I don't know if you know this, but every week benevolence needs are met, missions needs are met. In fact, in fact, uh, this past week we were at Third Thursday. Anybody know what Third Thursday is? It's a, it's a once a month outreach that our church does down on Broad Street in the city where we just feed and love on the neighbors and, and uh, the community and mostly uh, many homeless people come through there. And we, as winter approaches, we give them socks and other needs, coats, d- different seasonal things. And a guy, a guy pulled up in a Bentley and the team was like, I don't know if you need a free hot dog. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, no, he just rolled down the window and he handed them $1,000 and $100 bills and said, I don't know what y'all are doing, but you're out here just feeding people and I want to be a part of that. And then he sped away. So um, if you're here today, I'd love to take a ride in your Bentley. And, uh, <laughs> but no, hey, I want to just give you an update. We, we launched this thing called Next to expand uh, Scott's edition and a building campaign here in Midlothian and uh, we were at about 90% when we brought that update to you and we're at about 94.5% even since that happened so more pledges have come in. I also want to say in actual generosity the last two months so many of you have jumped in to actually fulfill those things, uh, those commitments in a way that's been overwhelming and so we're moving forward finalizing things with contractors, planning on ordering AC units and and and, and all that kind of stuff to try to, try to do site work here later in in the summer, but I just want to honor you today. You're one of the most generous churches. I mean, you just give generously, and I want you to know it's making a difference in people's lives. It's, it's equipping us to expand, and I just want to honor you today as your pastor and say thank you. So many of you jumping in for the first time, so many of you increasing your generosity. We just honor you today. Come on, can we give God a hand today for his faithfulness and that? You all are amazing. So. <laughs> Um, and then today is Baptism Sunday, and so we can't wait to celebrate that at the end of the gatherings, and it's going to be really fun. We had a great 815 service, but we're in this series called Come On, By Your Spirit, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on a little bit of a, of a preacher secret, and that is that we almost always preach on the Holy Spirit every year after Easter. <laughs> And uh, almost every year, that's one of my, like, uh, I, I, and it's kind of my heart because I always feel like we just celebrated, you know, Good Friday when Jesus uh, took our punishment on the cross and, and Easter Sunday when he rose from the dead. And then I always get to thinking that, that we got our sins dealt with and a resurrected Jesus. And, and I, got, I, I get to thinking about what happens right after that, which is Jesus tells his people to, to wait for just 10 days and he's going to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm so, how many are glad your sins are forgiven, right? That's good. But, but you know what else is amazing is that God gives us the power to live out our new life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we usually teach on this. And in fact, I think there's 
so much misunderstanding on the Holy Spirit. In fact, you're maybe here today and you're like, oh, you're teaching about the Holy Spirit. Uh, honey, get your purse. We're out of here. And uh, I promise you it's not going to be weird. Okay, Scott's edition, I promise you. Come on, just turn to the person next to you and tell them it's not going to be weird. Come on, tell them that all over this room. Come on, turn to your second option and say, maybe just a little weird. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, um, I, think, I think I want you to hear my heart on this, that uh, I think one of the enemy's attempts to take away this topic is through two extremes. And one is that maybe you've been a part of a church that, that in an imbalanced way or in a way that wasn't d- d- decently in an order. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that when we come together for worship that the gifts of the Spirit can operate but that all things should be done decently in an order. And so I think some of you maybe were a part of a church or an experience where you thought, man, that wasn't in order. And, and I think the enemy actually uses extremes to get us to pull away and say, I don't want to be a part of that. And, and then the second extreme is I think some of you grew up in a church where there's just no talk about the Holy Spirit, you know? We talked about Jesus all the time and God the Father and, and all that, but there was no talk about the Holy Spirit. So I think either through extremes or, or simply through neglect, a lot of us have not talked about this topic, and that's why I love to give a couple weeks a year really to camp out on this topic and to remind us that, that there is more, that God has more for us. In fact, it's been happening even since the early church. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, This is the church that he would later write the book of Ephesians to. And he asked these disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And look what they said. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I think this is some people's experience. They, it's a neglected teaching. It's a neglected doctrine. They don't, they don't really want to think about it. They don't know, we don't know what to do with it. And so we kind of avoid it. We don't even know, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so I want today to give us some, uh, some teaching around this, this subject because I think it has the ability to transform our lives. I, I discovered a couple years after being married that there are some items in the home for use and some items uh, for show. So Katie and I had been married a couple years and we were in seminary in Birmingham, Alabama and she was out at the store and I was sitting there and it was a cool day in December in Alabama getting cold and so I saw this quilt on this rack and I thought that looks, I've never used that quilt before but it feels soft and so I kind of got it out and took it and kind of covered myself up and I got a big bowl of cereal and I was kind of just watching sports, eating cereal with a nice quilt, it felt comfy to me and she walked in and she asked me this question, Brandon, what are you doing? Now, I have discovered, just marriage tip, if you're new to marriage, that's never a real, like, never a literal question. So I've learned to not answer it by what I'm doing, because I'm always doing so. I, I just said, I don't know. <laughs> what am I doing? Like, I'm not going to walk into that trap. I'm no fool. I mean, I know what I'm doing. I'm eating cereal and just enjoying my day. But apparently, that's not what I'm doing. So why don't you just tell me what I'm doing right now? And she said, you know, my grandma put those quilts in shows. And she won won awards with them. And you're just eating Lucky Charms over this blanket. And I said, I know. I'm honoring her memory. I mean, it's so comfy. It's plush. It's 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 nice. And she said, you'll never use that again. And she hung it up and 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 to this day uh, I never use it when she's around and uh, <laughs> once in a while just to stick it to her when she's gone no I'm just kidding <laughs> but you know um, I am convinced for Christians that that is that is a little bit like the Holy Spirit he's on the shelf but we don't use him 
And I'm here to liberate some of us from Katie's legalism on that quilt. I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit isn't just to be on a shelf that we talk about. He's, an, he's, he's someone to have a relationship with and to experience in our everyday life. And, 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 and so I want to just give you this thought that there's more. To, there's more than just sins forgiven and eternity secure. There's this power to live out our faith in the here and now. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. There's more. And so this, this weekend, what this series, By Your Spirit, is designed to remind us that to be the, the people God's called us to be, to be the husband and the wife and the student and the leader and the business person God's called us to be, we need more than us to make it happen. We need God's strength and God's power. And so we're going to unpack that over these next couple of weeks and really learn about how God's strength comes to live on the inside of us, to be everything he's called. How many want to just be everything God's called you to be? Don't you want that? And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some context here. Uh, the, from Passover to Pentecost. So, so from the time that Jesus passed the cup in the upper room and did communion to, to Pentecost was a, was a series of 50 days. And so when Jesus was gathered in his upper room having that last meal and M Michelangelo was in the corner painting it. You remember that? Uh, fr from that moment to, to the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came, is a 50-day period. And so, in fact, let me just say this. Some of you, when you hear the word Pentecost, you think, I want out of here. Here's what Pentecost means. We'll look at it a little later, too. But it just means 50. You say, what does Pentecost mean? Scare me. 50. You aren't scared of 50, are you? No, okay, right? Like, that's all it means, 50. And what it means is, look at this. There are 40 days after Jesus was resurrected that he was on earth after his resurrection. And then after his ascension, when he went to heaven, there was 10 days between when he left his disciples and when the promise of the Holy Spirit came and fell upon the people in the, uh, in the upper room. In fact, I want to just kind of dispel something because pastors a lot of times teach these verses wrong. I don't know how many times I've been sitting in church and somebody said, you know what? What Jesus' last words to his church were, Matthew 28, Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. These are the last words of Jesus, so let's go. And that sounds so good and so exciting. Yay, 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 rah, 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 go team. The only problem is that's totally wrong. That's not what it actually says. In fact, what it says is kind of less compelling in some ways. Because I know we live in a go culture. Jesus actually doesn't say go. He's about to leave and he says, you're going to go. But before you go, you got to wait. Let me show you it. Luke uh, 24. I'm going to send what my father has promised. So here, as I'm leaving, here's what I want you to do. Come on, somebody say it with me. But what? But stay. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So you're going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before you go, you better go with the power that God has put on the inside of you. And we illustrated this last week by saying don't run our uh, you know, on, on E. And so many of you have texted me and emailed me how you drive on E. And I just, uh, you're my people. I love you, you know. <laughs> But God hasn't designed us to do that spiritually. And he's telling the people, don't you dare rush. In fact, there's another, Acts records the same uh, section. Don't leave Jerusalem. Look at this. But what? But wait for the gift my father promised. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the what? With the 
Holy Spirit. So Jesus doesn't say go. He actually says wait. He says stay. He says before you rush into what I've called you, you better make sure you're equipped with the tools to do what I've called you to do, right? uh, They asked um, Billy Graham if he could do it over again. Would he just rush rush out and preach the gospel? And he said, I'd actually spend more time preparing. I heard somebody put it this way. The time you, you spend sharpening your ax is never wasted time, right? And in fact, you know, I think we're actually more effective in our spiritual life when we pause, wait, and get equipped with all the tools that God has for us so that we can go out and make a difference in the world. But I think we like the go message more than the wait message. How many know that's true? I mean, no, we're, we're Americans. We want to get it going now. Come on, where are the impatient people in the room? Like, let's go. Let's go. We couldn't even wait till 1115 to come to church. Let's go. I mean, like, we got to do this. Let's move. Let's go. We love the go message. We don't always love the stay and wait message. But Jesus is teaching his people that there's more for them and he could clothe them with power. And so let me, let me just look uh, for the next couple minutes today. And then I'll actually dismiss the people that are being baptized at the end of the message. So don't worry. I'll tell you exactly when to do that. But uh, what did they do in this season of waiting, these 10 days? What were the things that they valued? Because if we'll value what they valued... We can experience the power they experience. If we'll value what they value, we can experience the the power that they had. Here's the first thing they did. They waited in the presence of God and in the presence of God's people, both in the presence of God and the presence of God's people. Let me show you this, Acts chapter 1. And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Now, the phrase Sabbath day's journey, the is actually not in the Old Testament law. Uh, people wondered how they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so they said we shouldn't walk more than a mile on the Sabbath. So Sabbath day's journey would be about a thousand uh, yards. And it was their way of making sure they didn't walk too far, about three quarters of a mile. And so um, so it's saying here's how far they were. And, and when they entered, they went into the, come on, where were they? Into the upper room where they were staying. So the first place that they met was in this upper room. We know this in, a, in just a few days, the Holy Spirit will come on them. There's about 120 of them and they're praying in their house. How many know God can meet you in your house? Come on, somebody. I mean, so he can meet you at the kitchen sink. He can meet you in the backyard. How many know God's presence doesn't just live in God's house? It lives in our house, right? And so this is the people, they live in God's house. But not only did they live in the upper room, but they also worshiped and returned to Jerusalem, Luke tells us, with great joy. And they were continually in the what? Come on, in the what? temple praising God and blessing God. You got to see this is what the early church did. They did both continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So here's the point. They met in God's house and they met in one another's house. How many know we need both, right? In fact, what we learned, what we learned during COVID was we lost community. I think that, I think that's one of the main things that hit us. Do you know we were built for community? Some of you introverts are like, no, no, no. My goal every weekend is to walk in and out of church and have no one talk to me, right? And you got these people standing at the door and I I go, oh, here we go. Just don't make eye contact. Come on. (laughs) How many know we were made for relationships? We were. In fact, I think that's what happened during COVID. We lost our work. I mean, it was great to work from home for a little while, right? When it first happened, I was like, great family time. It's going to be amazing. We're going to make the most of it. About three weeks in, I was like, dear Jesus, help us, you know. What I do with the kids, they'd wake up and say, what are we going to do today, Dad? You have such vision for this. And I was like, I ran out the third week of vision for spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know. 
But you know what happened during COVID is we lost community. People got isolated. They got separated. And, and, and they lost community. And we need community. It's why we believe in small groups. How many know we believe in small groups, right? But not only do you need small groups, you need the big group of all of us coming together to worship God. In fact, I want to look in the camera this weekend and say that if you are still worshiping from home because you have health concerns, absolutely. We love our online community. You're every bit as much of the church as everybody else, all together, one family. But if, you, if you're still home watching church just because you lost the rhythm of coming back to in-person. I just want to tell you this right through the camera. I promise this is true. There's nothing like being in the room with God's people. There's something about being in the room with God's people. And we'd love to have you back. Come on, tell them we'd love to have you back. We'd just love to have you back. In fact, some people have said, no, 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 through, through, uh, through, through online church, I realized, no, no, I don't need the local church. Stephen Furtick is my pastor. Whenever they tell me that, I say, well, just call him and see if he'll visit you in the hospital. How many know? That's good preaching right there. And uh, here's the point. We were made for the big group and the small group. We were made for community and one another. We were made to gather on the weekends and worship Almighty God. The early church gathered in the temple to magnify God. And from house to house, they maintained a relationship with God. And they maintained a relationship with God's people. How many know we need both, right? In fact, I don't know about you. I always get weirded out when I'm on a plane and they say, turn your plane to your phone to airplane mode because the 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 your phone could affect the 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 air the the um what am i trying to say plane whatever yeah you think this is easy and uh the air not airport whatever it can affect i'm always like if my phone can affect this whole thing we have a problem but you know when i when i land i've noticed that when you turn the airplane mode off and turn the phone back on there's this little word at the top of the phone that just says searching, dot, dot, dot. So I Googled, what is it searching? (laughs) You know what it's searching? Searching for connection. And the second I read that, I thought that's exactly what we were made for as humanity. We were, hey, we were made to connect with one another. We were made for community. We were made for relationships. We need one another. Even the introverts, you need to meet and talk to somebody once a year, whether you want to or not. (laughs) We need one another. I'm telling you, that's why we're launching groups. In fact, over the next few weeks, you'll see group leader trainings on three consecutive Sundays in May. We're going to launch a bunch of groups. And I I like the summer semester. It's our shortest semester of groups because because we take a little break for the summer. But but it's a great chance to jump in, get connected. How many know we were made for community with one another, right? In fact, there's something about not only worshiping God, but doing it in community. We need the large group, the worship of God in in God's people. And then we need the small group in the presence of God and in the presence of one another, right? Here's the second way they waited. This is really powerful. They waited in prayerful, come on, say it with me, prayerful what? Dependence on God. Let me show you it. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Did you know that you can pray to God? Isn't that amazing? But I I was reading this verse this week and I thought, what's the difference between prayer and supplication? Why doesn't it just say they continued together in prayer? Why why say prayer and supplication? As I started to study it, I realized that prayer is when we ask God something and supplication is when we intensely ask for it. Uh, Prayer is when my daughter says, Dad, will you do this? Supplication is when she asks that question 35 times all day. 
And here's what the early church had. They had moments of wonderful prayer to God, which I love. But then they had moments where they realized there were big things going on in their life and in the world. And they needed more than prayer. They actually need supplication. Have you ever had something so big in your life that it wasn't just a little prayer floating up to God? Good morning, Jesus. I love you. It was a God. If you don't step in in this situation, if you don't help me, if you don't, my kid, my life, my job, my health. Oh, God. How many know there are moments that prayer goes from prayer to intensely? asking God what he can do in our lives. In fact, I was preparing for this um, series and reading John 14 to 17, which talks about uh, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' most common passages that talk about the Holy Spirit. And I came across a bunch of verses, and I don't even know what to do with these this weekend. So I'm just going to show you a couple of them. I don't even know what to do with them. I'm going to have to unpack them later, but I just want you to see them. Is that okay if I give you something kind of unpolished this weekend? Because I kept coming across verses like this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then ask the Father, then the Father will give you whatever you ask. Look at this, in my name. The Father will give you, look at these words, whatever you ask in my name. And I say, oh no, that's surely overboard, Pastor. God's going to give us whatever we ask in my name. Show me another verse that says that. Okay, one chapter away. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So I did a little Greek study on the word whatever. And guess what it means? It means whatever. You come for those kind of nuggets here. And uh, whatever you ask in my name. And so I'm just saying there are moments that prayer goes from just communicating to God to grabbing a hold of God and saying, I'm begging God in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm speaking the name of Jesus over my family, my situation, our city, our community. I'm, I'm just, the Lord, here's how the Lord's dealing with me. I think we need to use the name of Jesus a little more in our praying. And I, I don't know about you. I'm a, I'm a, when I'm closing down the prayer, I'm a big in Jesus name guy. Okay. Some people are like, well, if we could drop the Jesus, it's more palatable to other people. But um, how many know our God is Jesus? <laughs> In fact, the Bible teaches you can't even come to God except through Jesus. I'm, I'm not for an amen. I'm for an in Jesus' name, amen. You know? And somebody said, why do you pray in Jesus' name? What are you saying? It's actually, here's what we're doing at the end of a prayer. We're saying, God, everything I just asked you for, you, you could either answer it according to your love for me. But, but I also want to say it's this way. It's because of Jesus he died on the cross in the name of your son who sits at your right hand, who's ever making intercession for me in Jesus' name, who, who covered my, not in the name of Brandon, not in Brandon's goodness, not in whether or not Brandon deserves it, but in the name of the strong son of God, Jesus Christ, would you do something? Yeah. Right? How many know there are things you'll do for your kid that you won't do for anyone else, Right? I mean, there are, there are things, I told, I told the story a couple years ago, my son left his blankie when we were traveling. We're two hours away, you turning on a highway to go get a $7 blankie. How many know for your kid, I would not do that? <laughs> I would tell you I would, but I'm not sure I would. I'm just saying I love your kid, but I don't love your kid like I love my kid. And how many know you don't love your kid like you, well, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. There are times you're going to U-turn a car and drive two hours, so four hours round trip for a $7 blankie just because in the, because the, and here's what God is saying. If you'll tap in to the relationship that I have with my son and you'll be bold in your prayer. I think one of the reasons we don't pray is because we pray is because we're praying pathetic, weak, disappointed, disillusioned prayers and we need to have faith in our praying. 
hey, I'm praying not in Brandon's name, but in Jesus. I'm praying God would do something in the chapel in the next year that would be a miracle of revival in our community. And I'm not praying it in Brandon's name. I'm praying it in Jesus' name, right? How many know there's power in his name, right? And accessibility. I, I put it this way. Prayer is sometimes communion with God, but sometimes prayer is confrontation with the enemy, isn't it? And you got to be able to downshift both ways. Sometimes it's just, Lord, what a great day. You gave me a gift of a new day. Your mercies are new every morning. And then there are sometimes the problems so big, we have to say, God, I'm going to ask you to do something in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. If you're new here this weekend, you say, so you're a church that's really big on Jesus. That's probably a good takeaway this weekend. <laughs> we are really big on Jesus. And God the Father hears our prayers when we pray them in the name of his son. And at the end, we're saying, because of what your son has done for me, would you answer my... I just think, you say, Pastor, that could get a little wacky. Okay, maybe a little. But I think, I just, I'm, I felt like the Lord said to me this last week to tell you that some of us are praying, instead of our theology being rooted in scripture, it's being rooted in our own disappointments. And that he wants us to step back to his word and realize if we ask in his name, he will answer. If we ask in his name, he will answer. How many know, literally Paul says Philippians 2 at the end of that great hymn. He said, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Hey, I wonder if we could take just five seconds in this room and in Scott's edition and wherever you are. I wonder if we could just give praise to the name of Jesus. Could we do that today? God, we honor you today. Oh, come on, chapel. God, we honor you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we honor you today. Honor you today. In the presence of God, independence in prayer. Let me just say one thing. At the end of every service, just so you know this, we dismiss in prayer. And there are some prayer leaders down front too. And as we're walking out, if you need prayer every, any weekend, we're going to have leaders up front. They just want to pray for you. They'll come alongside of you. They'll care for you. We want to create a community where you know every week you have an opportunity to be prayed for. Okay. All right, here's the third thing, and then, and then we're getting ready to go here in, in the security of our new identity, okay? I want to I give you, can I just give you a 60-second theology lesson, and can you pretend you care? Because I was so excited about this this week. And if you don't care, it'll hurt my feelings. But first of all, I told you this is, the, this is what the word Pentecost means. I'm just saying this because sometimes when you say Pentecost, people get scared. It's penta, meaning five, costi to the 10th power, five to the 10th power, 50 Pentecost. Okay, whatever. And, but I was, reading, I was reading on the day of Pentecost. It's, it's a festival in the Old Testament. And you remember... The Passover is in Moses' day where God spares people's lives. And then on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, here's what happened. Moses went on Mount Sinai to get the law, if you remember the Old Testament. And when he's on the mountain to get the law, the people break out in idolatry below. Do you remember that? The, they build a golden image. And uh, God gets pretty upset. And so it's this incredible story. It's an incredible story of Moses taking just a little too long, and the people can't wait at all. And they literally shift their attention from the worship of God. And all of a sudden, smoke and fire appear and a loud sound. And Moses comes down from the, uh, from the Mount Sinai with, a, with a ta- the law written on tablets. And God brings judgment to people, and 3,000 people die. Okay, So I just want to paint this, because when I saw this this week, I couldn't believe it. Smoke, fire... A loud noise, the law written on tablets, and 3,000 people died. 
And then I realized on the day of Pentecost, the exact same thing happened, but in reverse. <laughs> fire, the Bible says there were tongues of fire on every head. There's a loud sound, a rushing wind. Tablets weren't written on human, or on human tablets, but they were written on the heart, God says. And 3,000 people were saved. Just pretend, say, ooh, come on, yeah. <laughs> and here's what I realized God was doing on the day of Pentecost. He was showing that we could not earn our relationship with God through the law. Do you know you and I are not good enough to earn our approval before God? Do I have any imperfect people in the house? <laughs> this side really is imperfect. This side is like, Don't go near there. I, Anybody imperfect in this side? Okay. Yeah. And so what God does is he says, you can't keep the law. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son, Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And he reverses and he says, I'm going to bring redemption and salvation. I put it this way. Here it is. The spirit came to bring life and to usher us into a life-giving future. And what a great way to illustrate that this weekend with baptism. So if you're going to get baptized, you can go and get yourself ready in Midlothian. You're going to go out these doors. Come on, give a hand to all those who are going to be baptized. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, give it up for them. Scott's addition. Awesome. Awesome. In a second, in a second we're going to close with a song and get a chance to celebrate uh, baptism as they're headed out. So proud of you guys. Excited to celebrate together. Scott's addition here in Midlothian. But... Here's the picture. I want you to just capture it. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, there won't, be a, there won't be a law culture. There'll be a grace gospel culture. And let me give you, let me just explain to you. I grew up, some of my home church experience was a little bit of a law culture. And I thought when God was pleased with me, if I did good and he was mad at me, if I did bad, and if I was good enough, maybe I could earn his love. And some of us, I think, have that picture of getting to heaven is like a ladder, and we have to climb up and get high enough to get to God. And yet the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have bad news and good news this weekend. The bad news is you can never climb high enough to get a relationship with God. But the good news is because of Jesus, heaven has come down to earth. When earth couldn't make its way up to heaven. Hey, Holy Spirit empowered culture doesn't say the law do this it's a grace-based relationship with God and I'm telling you our humanity is wired to want to earn our relationship with God how many are grateful that he gives us free free grace to be forgiven of our sins um, in fact in fact in just a second I'm going to pray but Alistair Begg gives this great great illustration he says imagine that you're standing at the gate of heaven behind the thief on the cross you remember the thief on the cross he's the guy standing next to Jesus on the cross and he's cursing at him and he realizes somewhere along Jesus death that Jesus is different and he literally his only act of spiritual anything was Jesus remember me and does anybody remember what Jesus said to him today you'll be with me impaired so Alistair Begg does this great story he says imagine that you're, you're at the stand at heaven's entry door and the angels there and the thief on the cross comes up and he says I'm this this guy told me I could come in and the angel says okay um how long were you a church member he says I was never a church member oh okay um do you believe in the inspiration of scripture the inspiration of what 
Okay, do you believe in the triune God, the Trinity? I don't, I even know there was a Trinity. And so finally the angel says, well, I need to get my supervisor angel to make sure. Like, I'm not sure you're supposed to be in here. Supervisor angel comes and says, well, how long were you a church member? I was never a church member. Do you, do you believe in justification by grace through faith? I don't, I don't, just to what? I don't know what you mean. I'm not sure. Well, I don't know how should I. Well, why? Finally, the angel gets mad and says, well, then why should I let you into heaven? And I love the way this preacher says, he says, imagine the man who just yells. I don't know why you should let me into heaven. But the man on the middle cross said I could come in. And then he says this, if you and I, when we answer the question, why should I get into heaven? If it's ever in the first person, because I went to church, because I was faithful, because I did this, we're misunderstanding our whole salvation. It's not what I did that gets me into heaven. It's the man on the middle cross, Jesus Christ, the son of God. And because of his grace and mercy, though all we like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Oh, to the joy of knowing I didn't earn my salvation. It's the free gift of grace. And you're here this weekend. You say, Pastor, is that really true? That's really true. And it's actually the thing that sets the Christian faith apart from all the other re- religions of the world. All the other religions of the world say, do this, 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 and this. And you can get to heaven. And Christianity says, you can't do it. It's been done by another. By grace are you saved through faith. It's the only one that produces humility that says, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. It's not the law. One hymn writer said, do this and that the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. Right? I can't save myself, but Jesus has saved me. And because of that, we celebrate. That's what water baptism is about today. It's about people saying, no, no, no. <laughs> because Jesus was died and he was raised to newness of life. I identify with what he did. I'm forgiven, right? You ever had your favorite team win and you say, we won? You, you, you've been eating Fritos the whole game, right? Like, that's what the gospel is. We won. But you were never on the field. Oh, I know it. We won. I, my captain of the host won the whole game. And because of that, I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm whole. Would you bow your heads all over this room and in Scott's edition? In fact, this weekend, I'm going to just turn this moment over to Pastor Jason and the team. In Scott's edition there. Here in Midlothian, I'll just with our heads bowed in just a second, the team's gonna lead us in one last half song and we're gonna get to celebrate with baptism. But if you're here this weekend, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm right with God. This is I didn't know this story quite this way. The story of the gospel is you don't have to climb up, heaven climb down. I won't embarrass you, I won't ask you to get out of your seat. But if you're here this week and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure my, my heart's right with God. Nobody's looking around. Christians are praying. If you just hold your hand up boldly today, say, pray for me. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. Yes, thank you. Are there others? Yes, thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, bro, thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand and say, pray for me. Yes, thank you, young man. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? In the lobby or Scott's edition, yeah, I see that, yes. One last time, I'm not trying to be emotional, just give, just giving space for the Lord to do what he's doing in people's hearts. Anybody else, you say, Pastor, pray for me today. I'm not sure where I'm at in my relationship with God. Yeah, thank you so much. 
Yeah, thank you. Right where you're seated, uh, online, at home, Scott's Edition, here in Midlothian, you just pray a prayer that says, God, I know I'm a sinner. But today I repent of my sin. I place my faith in Jesus. I believe Jesus died upon a cross and rose from the dead to forgive my sins. So today I invite you into my life to be my Savior and the Lord of my life. Forgive my sin. Give me new hope. Today I make you my Lord and the treasure of my life. Save me, I pray. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, a whole bunch of people took steps to give their lives to Jesus today. You got a connect card on the way in. One of the reasons we hand out these connect cards, people just want to say, I took a step. You can drop it off at next step. You can email us. We just want to help you grow in your faith. And I want to say welcome to the family of God. Do you know that? Somebody say, you really believe one prayer. Hey, one sincere prayer of faith is all it takes to go from darkness to light, right? So we rejoice in that. Here's how we're going to close today. We have a bunch of folks that are going to be baptized. Just warning, if you're new to the chapel, when they come up out of the water, there's no golf claps allowed. It's kind of UFC style cheering. And uh, and, uh, the point of that is all based in Luke 15. Jesus said there's more rejoicing in heaven among the angels when one person gives their life to God. So when they come out of the tank, would you give them uh, just a big uh, encouragement? Also, if if any family members are here, they're going to be baptized over here. You can come crowd around the front of that tank. If you want to use your phone or video or whatever, you won't bother us at all. Come on, chapel, let's stand. We're going to worship together. We're going to sing. We're going to celebrate with those being baptized.